0: Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee.
1: I'm Chris.
2: I'm
0: Adam. And we're here as a special bonus episode uh, after we were all so cheeky and took the whole of uh, the Christmas and New Year period off. uh, And we've all watched a metric shit tonne of stuff. So we've come back (laughs) to discuss it all now uh, without having to compress it all uh, so it doesn't interfere with the runtime on our normal episodes. So... Without further ado, Chris, what have you been watching? Oh, and before I do, spoilers and swearing, as always, as a warning. Sorry about that. Yeah, no,
3: that's interesting, right? So, so we normally try not to spoil these films too much because people don't really know. So, I'm I'm keeping it a little. Well, it depends. Uh, older older stuff, I think, can be spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. But newer stuff, I'm going to be a bit more careful, right? So, I'm starting with the one yeah. that really. Um, is the new one. Um, although all three of mine I've really enjoyed, obviously, that's why I'm talking about them, but it's possible to watch things you might not enjoy. But anyway, right. So the first one is the Devs mini series from 2020. So I'm only a year, year past this one. That's a year and a bit. That's pretty good. I think I watched it just before uh, the new year. So, um, so it's a mini series um, by Alex Garland, famous for Ex Machina. Annihilation, which we covered. 28 we days done, later. But we do need to. We do need uh, to. We must have talked about it quite a bit, because I watched it. So in yeah. my head, we've covered it. So either you talked about it so much, I was like, right, I'm watching that. And we didn't actually end up covering it. Okay. yeah. Um, but I 28 days later, we did cover. Yes, we did. And, yeah. and also The Beach, which I'm told I should definitely watch. But it's been so many years now. So... Um, one day, I guess I will. Have, they, have you seen that? No, I
2: have not seen the beach. I, uh, again, it's. I think that was the point where I sort of drifted away from Danny Boyle's stuff uh, and only revisited because up until that point, I'd been like, I'd watched everything that had come out because I love *Shallow Grave* and *28 Days mm. Train* and everything. But yeah, I think The Beach was... uh, I think it was also probably because it was like, I'm not watching Leonardo (laughs) DiCaprio. Fuck off. Um, But um, interesting enough, enough, you are ahead of me, Chris, because I started devs, but I think Mm. I either got as far as episode three or four, I can't remember. Um, I really should have kept going
3: with it, but I, I... I don't know why I did, I must have got the so, track to be something else. So. well, you, you may you may uh relate to some of what I say. Then. Um, so so I think I've mentioned it before because we started to watch it and it stood out to me. Um, but obviously it took us a while to finish the whole lot. But, um, I would say, it, unless you're really into you know, current state of computing, it might be a bit of a hard watch potentially, and also I, you know, like, so if you enjoy thinking about the nature of reality, along with theoretical physics and science and technology, you probably will like it, but it it, it does push the boundaries of, of disbelief somewhat. Now, you've, yeah. I think, I think I would say on the whole, I felt it was worth getting through to the end. Um, I, I love the way it riffed on the idea of good and evil, because the characters it's not obvious who is good and who is evil and yet bad things are happening. And it's like, well, why, you know, how can this be going on if no one appears to actually be truly, you know, having a scheme to cause pain on others and yet pain is happening. And so throughout it's like the circumstances that happen and everyone's roles and how they interact. And it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I really don't want to be causing you this amount of pain, but because of the information they have, they kind of have to. And that's that's the crucial bit, which yeah. I really want to give away. Um, I, like, it's um, essentially, I, best, I suppose the best way to say it is, it's a bit like time travel. Anytime you introduce time travel into a film, it kind of makes it really difficult to, um, like, like you can either tell what's gonna happen in the future or in the past, then it's going to change what you do and you might take actions that would otherwise seem really bad and really insane when actually, you know, you have to do them. And so it's, it's really, I find it fascinating the way it played with that. It does also mean it's that pushing the disbelief because obviously we never experienced that in real life. It's like, you don't know if that's how it would really happen. So you kind of have to say, right, within this framework, it works. Um, but yeah, no, so I, I did really enjoy it all the way to the end. Um, It did have, and I might mention this before. This really stood out to me. uh, A scene in it that um, I just replayed over in my head again Mm. and again, um, where somebody is in a car crash, and it is just like um, hereditary. Like it's, it had enough of a build-up for me that it was like, oh, that's. I didn't exactly see that coming quite like that. Mm. Um, Even though you get a sense of something bad is going on. Um, yeah, just uh, whenever somebody manages to have that effect in a film, I, like, that just really works for me. I, I love the fact that it, it makes you really think, you know, o- almost question your own actions. I find it's like, yeah, okay, I could see how that could potentially happen to anyone, and and yeah, like being aware of your consequences. Um, you know, it's a difficult thing. Hindsight is fantastic, but trying to have foresight. That's the thing to do. So, yeah. So I absolutely recommend it for, for dark physics. Oh, um, mm. And the other ones I watched a bit more fun, Shaun of the Dead.
0: Nice. No, both
3: of you have seen this because I'm pretty <laughs> sure we've mentioned it many times. And, in fact, I think we said we're going to cover it at some point. Um, Definitely. And I would happily watch to it again, it yeah. turns out. Right? Mm. Like, like, I, you know, I remember it being good. Just didn't remember how good it was. Like it still holds up so well, and I mean, yeah. it's, uh, and also like, I I remember it still being fairly new. Like it feels like a new-ish comedy yeah. that mm. was big, and it, But it's like I think it was two thousand four now. Yeah, he's ridiculously old now. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, I mean the comedy was we fantastically. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah, you know, like some of the scenes so good, and like the one where he's um he's just woken up. It's like the next day, and obviously you've had hints at it all throughout, and that's done really nicely. And then he's walking through the streets just not noticing anything, and it's like, it's just, it's so funny to watch him. Um, yeah. And, and, and also, i totally totally forgotten how brutal some of the killing of the zombies is. I'd remembered it as being much more just fun, and then the first woman that they kill, um, when he sort of pushes her back, and she falls back on the the um,
0: yeah on the pole. or yeah. post
3: yeah, <laughs> and they're just standing there like okay, this is this is gone, you know, very wrong here. Um, yeah, no, like it's, it's fantastic. So I really enjoyed that, and definitely would like to cover it um, in more detail. Um, now the third one, right, I'm going to say it. Starship Troopers. Now, uh, have either of you seen this? I have not, although I feel I should have done. Don't think oh, so. It's interesting. Okay. Well, all right. So in my head, I remember it as a a kind of a spoof sci-fi action with horror-ish hmm. elements, you know. But, but mostly it's an aliens predator kind of action sci-fi. But, but hmm. I always think of it as it's almost like two parts. I feel like the first part is um is a bit more. Funny, but then it does get deeper towards the end, and I just always forget about that. And as I'm watching, I'm like, actually, this is getting really good. And I just thought it's just going to be a really simple, you know, um, little bit of entertainment just to watch in the background. Um, and it is, it's, it's hard to sort of get across exactly how it is a spoof, but it's it's definitely like it's, it's over the top in it, mm. the way it presents. Like a lot of the dialogue is it's a lot of what sound like one liners. So it's like, they're not saying anything in depth for a long time, but it, it, somehow it still kind of works. Um, but yeah, it's essentially like the humans are in a, an existential crisis against um, aliens, but they're essentially viewed as just big bugs. So they have weird things like um, news reports. And, and again, they're so over the top. Like everything feels almost like plastic, sugary reality. Is Because isn't it, isn't isn't it Paul Verhoeven? Like the See, I don't know. Yeah, because um, yeah, I, I don't know what else he's done though.
2: Because because he did um, uh, RoboCop.
3: Oh, okay,
2: and That's it's interesting. That, RoboCop does and, have a bit of a because it has that over the top thing,
3: particularly like the adverts and the yes, oh, that, yeah. for a dollar, yeah. No, that totally makes sense. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. I'd forgotten about and, those. And that's check. the that's
2: the terms in which I've had uh, Starship mm. Troopers recommended to me. Yeah, like, yeah when I okay. read about it online, that's the bit that's interested me. Is they've sort of said it follows in. It's in that same sort of, yeah. you know, because like RoboCop, you can watch as a straight film, but it's also a spoof and a yeah.
3: critique, satire, whatever. And of of how like future is becoming somewhat dystopian.
0: Yeah. Because essentially,
3: I mean, it kind of, Star Troopers kind of shows humans in a bad light. Like it doesn't show us as wonderful, even though we're fighting against, you know, another race that essentially does want to wipe us out. We're kind of also really, really keen and gunned up to, to, you know, wipe them out as fast as possible with as many nukes. And and so, yeah, that's, I think that's what gives it that kind of plasticky feel but that's where, as the depth starts to come in, you sort of appreciate it, or at least I appreciate it more. Um, completely forgetting that, yeah. One of the ads, it just shows kids stamping on cockroaches as a sort of, you know, a public service announcement to get everyone keen on killing the the, um, the bugs. And then there's a woman <laughs> laughing maniacally in the background of it. It's just, yeah, it's for me it's, for some, some reason it works really well. So it's one of those I just always forget. I watch it. Sort of, I think I've seen it. Four times now and every time kind of forget that it's it's got a bit more to it. I've never seen it. I'm gonna
2: have to check it out because if you if you've watched it multiple times,
3: so I know that you like it. I really feel I've got to watch it. I just I remember it as being fun and forgetting that there is a bit extra there to appreciate, you know, as the film unfolds.
2: Which which is essentially the what I go to Robocop for.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, that's that's my three. Excellent. Well done. You have been busy. Um, sure. Adam, would you like to go next? I'll go next. I've got a few.
2: Um, first off, I've really got to talk about um, Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, which is, is turned up on Shudder now. I got the Blu-ray from uh, Severin, and it arrived, well, I think it arrived like Christmas Eve. So it was, and I'd been shitting myself because obviously it was an impulse and then it's Christmas post and fucking charges for Brexit and whatever else bullshit they'll give you <laughs> as a reason not to fucking deliver your parcel. Um, so I was very pleased when that sort of turned up, uh, when that turned up just in time and I was like, yes.
3: Um, Santa wave his magic there.
2: <laughs> Santa did, yeah. I've I've clearly I've clearly been uh, an adequate boy this year. Uh, I would I would last year I would I would hesitate to use the term good, but um and basically it's a documentary on folk horror, and mm. it was it it's really really well done. Um, one of my favourite things about it is now. There's a thing I don't know if you've seen it quite quite a lot of the times now. With people are talking about folk horror online, they always say folk horror, a term first coined by Mark Gatiss in the A to Z in his um, history of horror series. And when I first saw that, I was like, oh, that must be true. I'm sure I'd heard it before, but maybe I'm, you know, I'm clearly misremembering it. You know, I don't yeah. want a Mandela effect it and claim that I'm so important that time fucking skipped a groove but only I didn't notice. this um sorry anyway um but then Jonathan Rigby who uh, was one of the consultants on that show who is like he's um you'd know him if you saw him he's a very um stern looking man bald and uh but he's got just a lovely voice. He really and and he's he did like the ball the good Borley Raptory film. Um, and he's done lots of stuff with various members of the league. And um, yeah. And he wrote a really good book called uh, English Gothic, which is like basically could be a Bible for this show, certainly in terms of British horror. It just mm. had that's where I discovered things like mutations and um, just loads and loads of stuff, and got more of an insight into like the Hammer series and how they actually were supposed to run and things like that. But, um, and but yeah, anyway, Jonathan Rigby's on this documentary, and he does mention that it's actually from his own book, American Gothic, which was the follow up where he first used the term, and I kind of feel his whole appearance there is to say, he's not fucking Mark Gatiss. (laughs) I fucking came up with that, the cheeky bastard. Just because he's fucking Mycroft Holmes doesn't mean that you should believe everything you see on the internet. Um, And and then, in fairness, does mention times earlier when the phrase folk horror has been mentioned, but it still does feel like he's having a dig at his mate. (laughs) <laughs> but it's like sort of like fuck you you invented folk, folk horror my arse so um um but besides that i was um uh the director is uh kia i think it's your Yanis or janice i'm not sure um and yeah basically it's three hours long so set aside you know set, set that time aside Get a fucking pen and paper because there is going to be stuff you want to find out more about.
0: Yeah, that's what I did. I came away with a huge list of stuff that needs watching. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Oh, so you've seen it? Yeah, yeah, I saw yeah. it. Too. <laughs> what did you think? It's fucking it's great, you know. Yes. It's really.
0: Yeah, so I loved well done. it so much. I mean, as you say, you know the, and as they say in the the, the documentary itself, you know, folk horror is generally mentioned when in conjunction with a handful of films. But actually, if you apply it properly, there's so much yeah. more stuff. And it goes into all the, uh, uh, you know, the Japanese stuff. and Oh, yeah, and I came away the dirty great list that could definitely bankrupt me if I'm not careful.
2: <laughs> well, I, I mean, there's a part of me, I mean, particularly a lot of the telly stuff they were talking about, it was really good because I was like, I've seen that, I've got that, I've seen that. <laughs> then, then obviously... They mentioned Doctor Who and the Demons, and I think at that point I had to go and change my underwear. <laughs> and um, But but also, yeah, there was loads of films that I hadn't seen. Because um, there's stuff in there like V we need to cover on the show because that is a fucking great film just because of how strange it is, like the um, Polish or Russian uh, film. Um, and But also, yeah, so I, I came away... I came away with with the list from that, and I've I've always I've been having a sort of oddly Australian osploitation thing in my head lately that I've been sort of like oh yeah I must watch Turkey Shoot again and I must do this and I must do that. Um, so I watched uh, a film called Alison's Birthday, which is because that's the other great thing is Shudder have put up loads of the films that they mention in that in the documentary yeah so mm. um and we unfortunately over here we haven't got quite as many as they have in the us usual story but there's a good 30 odd films that they've got they either already had or they've put in a folk horror uh, or they've obtained and put up on this folk horror collection and yeah i watched Alison's birthday which is um from 1981 directed by ian coughlin um and it's got it's got John Bluthal in it, who you will know from various comedy shows. He's like in the Vicar of Dibley and used to appear with Spike Milligan a lot and stuff like that. And he is, um yeah, nicely sort of villainous in it because he sort of comes across as a nice gentle old fella and then the steel comes in and you're like, oh, fucking hell, yeah, you, you could be quite a nasty bastard. <laughs> uh, and the main character, Alison, is played by... Mrs. Mad Max, the woman who gets
1: uh,
2: uh, the—I uh, can't remember Mrs. Mad Max's name—but Joanna Samuel uh, played Mrs. Mad Max, who obviously then dies and changes him from slightly miffed Max to full steaming Mad Max. And uh, yeah, that's when he gets, oh, he goes off on one, you know. So any little thing with these people, and um, but Alison's birthday is—I I, it's a TV movie, but I think it was one of those things where they. Saw what they had, and someone put a bit more money in and said they could do it, it as a theatrical release, possibly. Mm. But it's sort of it's in the same sort of vein as, say, Hereditary mm. or uh, Rosemary's Baby. It's that thing of sort of people being used unwittingly by a satanic or occult cult. cult. Um, and basically, it starts off with Alison and her two friends. Doing a Ouija board, one of them gets possessed by the ghost of her dad, and tells her to not go home on her nineteenth birthday. And bloody hell, Allison goes home on her nineteenth birthday <laughs> to, to her aunt and uncle's place. And her aunt and uncle are really nice, but they do have a miniature Stonehenge at the bottom of their garden. And uh, yeah, it's all um, there's a weird thing to it because it because it's a bit TV movie. It it oddly creeps it up more Mm. like say Mm. with even though i love it with hereditary you know it's obvious from the start that like this is creepy this is horrible (laughs) whereas this is like this is like sort of like no i mean yeah this feels more like you come in in the afternoon and there's an australian soap on and then slowly you go but hang on why are there hooded people and a What's going on? And, and also. I don't I, hug
3: me. I'm scared.
2: It's not even so, not even that, but that I think it is, it's it's so sort of plain that mm. it oddly makes it creepier because it feels more like it's happening. Rather than well, I don't live in a big doffing house with my uh, wife who makes miniatures of uh, traumatic family events and etc. 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 Whereas this is more sort of like, you know, these people just live in ordinary houses, but they also happen to be a satanic cult. And, you know, uh, but yeah. I would, And so, yeah, uh, because of that, I would recommend it. You know, that's that's definitely one. And I'm going to go and obviously watch more from the uh, the, the folk horror stuff on
0: Shudder. Um, Eye of the Devil is the one that caught my uh, attention. Ooh, and yes. I went and spent a lot of time searching for it and couldn't find it. You know, a a reasonable price anywhere that I could justify Mm. to myself, and then discovered it's on YouTube in its entirety. So, uh, yeah, I'll I'll be having that. (laughs)
2: Speaking of on YouTube in its entirety, I cannot ignore the fact that I watched a film called Nomads from 1986 uh, with Pierce Brosnan and what can only be described as an outrageous French accent. (laughs) Uh, like it's it's like it, you're sort of listening to it and you're going, this is this is probably racist, but I'm not sure who to. <laughs> I think he manages to, Yeah, it is. He manages to insult most of Europe as he sort <laughs> of
1: struggles to
2: be this uh, French anthropologist. Um, and basically, uh, but he, here's the weirdest fucking thing: is it's directed by John McTiernan, and this film is the reason that he got to do Predator. Like, Arnie Mm. saw Nomads and was like, right, that's the guy to do Predator. Because, and it's the weirdest fucking thing. Basically, um, well, it's a doctor who works, uh, working in a hospital, surprise, surprise, and Pierce Brosnan's brought, brought in, shouting in French, and she goes and, like, talks to him, and then he dies. And then she's possessed by him, probably. And uh, that's the, it's that sort of a film. She's probably possessed by him or something, or his spirit is making her hallucinate the last few weeks of his life. In what I can only describe as the most fucking extraneous plot device ever, because just show us what happened to Pierce Brosnan, because that's <laughs> what you're doing, but you're doing it through this woman hallucinating what happened but yeah but there's no sort of mystery to it it's quite straightforward um and basically he's meant to be an anthropologist who studied uh nomads across the uh, globe and things like that and then realizes that there's like a street gang who ride around in a big black 18 van uh one of whom is adamant so it gives you the level of Street punk that we're talking here, you know, far far, far too pretty street punks. Um, but uh, they, um, but basically, yeah, they're like they're they're so, they're basically actually what what this would have been is it have been a brilliant prequel to Near Dark because they kind of present the nomads as they're a bit like the vampires in Near Dark. They basically just ride around, fuck with people, and kill them. And yeah, but. Yeah, but it's a fucking bizarre movie. And I'm not going to say it's good, but it's really, really compelling. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the John McTiernan thing. He just hasn't, he can't shoot a shit film. You know, I mean, obviously, like he makes, he he goes on to make Die Hard and The Predator. So he knows how to shoot like action. And yeah, but yeah, it is just a fucking bizarre one. But it's definitely, but it's free on YouTube. So go and watch it because. Excellent. It's i just mm. want people to see it because it's just as it's, it's a proper what the fuck so, <laughs> <laughs> um then uh i think what else there was obviously we've finished what we do in the shadows yeah um series three now and uh, on a matt berry kick toast of tinseltown has started so, which is the follow-up to Toast of London that they're mm-hmm. doing on the beat, and um, on that subject, like with the Matt Berry connection, as in um, uh, Susan Wacoma from uh, Year of the Rabbit, Netflix have just put up The House, which is like a antho- an animated anthology film, um, like stop motion animation, and it's this it's three tales from a house over three different periods of time and Mm. it's it's definitely it's definitely not for kids but not in the sort of it's not like avenue queue it's not because it's like got knobs and swearing in it or whatever like that it's just kids probably wouldn't get it is Mm. the better way Mm. of putting it but i do it does also have that feeling that i'd imagine one day a kid is going to be shown it in the same way that i was shown when the wind blows, like the Raymond Briggs anti nuclear fucking cartoon, on the basis that well, it's a cartoon, so it's for kids, isn't it? <laughs> but no, clearly not, because they melt at the end. You know, it's it's tragic, but um, yeah. Similarly, have we traced back one, your love and horror? <laughs> oh, it's definitely, it's definitely got to be in there somewhere. But basically, yeah, so you've got three stories. You've got the first story is quite sort of. Um, Feels like a traditional fairy story. It's basically it's a family who, um, they you know they're sort of hard up, and uh, they have a mysterious benefactor who builds a house near them, and what they've got to do is they've got to go and live in the house, and food is prepared for them all the time, and everything's fine, but they can't take any of their previous possessions with them,
1: hmm.
2: and they've got to and they've got to stay in the house. And then slowly it goes madder and madder because the house is being rebuilt and the parents get possessed and the daughter and is looking after like her little baby sister because the parents have basically been drawn into this weird nightmare. One of the characters in that is played by Mark Heap. And cool. so who, you know, just is the modern Donald Pleasance. Yeah. And um, yeah, uh, the, but I mean, and then you've got the second story is set in the present day, and it's a, a rat who is a building contractor who is trying to sort of, uh, trying to do up a house to sell it on, and uh, basically there's like an infestation of uh, cockroaches. There was uh, and so on and so forth, and it's a very weird, creepy little sort of gets under your skin sort of feeling to it, um, and it the uh, rat is voiced by Jarvis Cocker and he's really fucking good and it's it's yeah just um that that one sort of is yeah as i say it's because it's anthropomorphized rats it's suddenly gone a bit weirder and you're sort of but you just get drawn into the story in the end you're like oh no this is just the story of a building contractor who's having shit go wrong not this he's is a building who,
1: who's a rat yeah and <laughs>
2: similar. And the fourth story and the third story, rather, is set in the future and it's similar, but it's all anthropomorphized cats. And basically, it's one of them owns the house and rents it out to two other cats, but neither of them can pay the rent. And one of them, one of them just, oh, yeah. And this is set in the future where the world is drowned and the house is one of the few things high enough that it's not in the water. Um, and um, yeah, one of the tenants catches fish that's how he pays his rent and the other one is an old hippie cat played by Helen and Bonham Carter who just hands over like uh, precious stones you know sort of like oh this 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 will improve your chakras and <laughs> et and basically yeah it's the sort of that getting all wound up and then uh, her hippie boyfriend turns up voiced by Paul Kay. and it's Again, the best way I can describe it is it feels like all those rolled up, like the recent Roald doll stuff,
1: mm.
2: like Fantastic Mr. Fox and Coraline. Uh, well, that's Neil Gaiman, but yeah, Coraline yeah. and um, James and the Giant Peach. It's in that sort of animation sort of feel to it. Um, but it's kind of like Roald Dahls, Tales of the Unexpected, as the plot drivers. So, yeah, it's a really weird combo, it? but it's really, really, really worth checking out.
0: I um, I also got that recommendation from a previous guest on the show, Dave. Um, uh, Chris and I spent the weekend with him um, we did, yeah. at Horror on Sea, which we will mention at a later date, um, yeah, and in the foyer while we were waiting to go into the first film, he was saying he'd watched it, and yeah, same as you, Adam. He was saying it's really strange but really worth watching. So, mm. yeah, it's definitely on my my to watch list. Once we finish all of the Hand of the Baskervilles that there are, <laughs> <laughs> um, other other bits I watched.
2: Um, oh, I watched I rewatched the documentary because I'd watched Alison's birthday. I was then on an Oz kick so i re rewatched the documentary not quite hollywood um i think i've talked about it before but it's basically about the sort of 70s 80s uh explosion of australian cinema and you've got stuff in there like mad max and turkey Shoot, and uh but also howling three the marsupials and <laughs> uh, you know some right classics um uh, but on that there was a film called next of kin directed by tony williams from 1982 um and uh, bless her, Claire got it for me on Blu-ray because I was watching it and I was like, oh, that does look good, doesn't it, that one? And, uh, yeah, she shuffled off and ordered it for me, bless her. Um, so so I've watched that and that's, that's really good. It's kind of – because it was – they said the bloke who directed it was basically – he was obsessed with uh, Hitchcock. And it's like, um, yeah, I can really see that because there's so many – it just it's shot amazing, but basically it's kind of a, a bit, bit. Alison's birthday. It's another thing where it's a girl returning home after her mother dies. She has inherited this old folks home, and um, yeah, just strange shit goes down. And it has it, even down to that that it's like the sort of thing of locked away mental relatives and things like that that feels a bit Hitchcockian as well. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's 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 definitely worth checking out if only for. The scene when someone's looking through the bathroom door keyhole. I will say no more than that. But fuck me when you see it, you're like, oh, you bastard. So, <laughs> um, and um, yeah, I think I think that's pretty much, I think that's pretty much it pretty much covered everything. Apart from, and I know this is something that you watched as well, Lee. Uh, Mark Gates is the mesotin or mesotin over
0: Christmas. Uh, yes. Yes, I was going to say. I think that's probably a good crossover one. Um, yes. So, did you see it as well, Chris? I didn't know. Well, you have got a treat in store. What did you make of it, Adam? Ooh.
2: I, I mean, compared to the last two sort of ghost stories for Christmas that we've had from Mark Gatiss, and you know, we let's face it, we know this show loves Mark Gatiss, Um, but. Yeah, the the modern day one he did with Simon Callow, I can't, the Dead Room. Yeah, that that was well, I just didn't rate that much, if I'm honest. No. And then they did Martin's Close, which was okay, but it just
0: it didn't top. Really... Did it? There was nothing, no. I mean, especially seen as the one before when he'd done the track tape mid off, that was so good. I was, mm. I was kind of hoping to, to get back into that, which I mean, I think he did with this one, definitely. Um, yeah. But yeah. It left those other two, as you say, just wanting something really. But uh, we definitely got it this year.
2: <laughs> cool, yeah. And I was, and, and I know it's your favorite MR James story. So I was just so mm. pleased because I was like, there was a part of me that was like, I don't want this to be cack. But equally, I was like, and don't fuck up Lee's favorite. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a sense of propriety on your behalf. I was like, yeah, so... <laughs> but um, no, I was, I, I thought that was. Uh, I thought they, and also I just think it was done, much like how the track take mid off was. It was just done so accurately mm. to tran- literally translating how the story go makes you feel to the screen. Yeah of how the story should creep you out and everything else like that. Because I think, because that's the thing I like with it, is the fact that it's not just one person and another person going, what, what are <laughs> talking about? This? You know, it's that sort of thing where, you know, you have multiple witness, mm. which is actually quite rare with Mr. James. You know, yeah. you get people who, you usually get the person who's affected by... The madness, or what the effect is on the choke, or the the chosen victim, I suppose, or whatever like that, or the. Um, but yeah, it's rare in that sense that it's a few more people are joined into the psychosis, as if you like, or the um, the uh, supernatural event. Absolutely, so, yeah.
0: it it was, and it, on such a small cast as well. I'm just looking at i debate. There's only seven people in it. Um, yeah but yeah just, and it's such an amazing cast as well it was just oh it's fantastic it was really really good. I say it was I, I watched it as it went out as I said before this is the first thing I've watched live on TV I think since uh, I think we said inside number nine um oh yeah like the halloween the the live Halloween one yeah which was a few years yeah. ago but I, I had to see yeah. this as it went out. Um, and I'm so glad I did. It was absolutely fantastic. So so good. It made my Christmas. Yeah, I like
3: and, um, and it, I like what Mark Gatiss says about it. It's delightful to be bringing a little seasonal unease to the nation once again.
2: <laughs> well, I think. Well, funnily enough, that's that is something that I mean. Uh, again, of what we watched over Christmas, I did basically churn through the ghost stories for Christmas, but I added in like Shout Them The Painter and cast the ITV Cast in The Runes and stuff where it was all like these these are kind of ghost stories for Christmas
0: yeah
2: um, and the stone tape I just yeah I just chewed through those and the the Lawrence Gordon Clark ones and everything and it's yeah I it do was, need um,
0: to I do need to re-watch Show Ken The Painter because I've only seen it twice but my god it's good
2: yeah. It's, I think the thing, again, it's that um, much the same as like with the, the Whistle and I'll Come to You, the Jonathan Miller one, because mm. it's because it's kind of a documentary or purporting to be a like a documentary. It, it sort of has a different, slightly different feel to it, to the usual sort of, because it's basically, this is the life story of a painter. Oh, and by the way, this happens. So it was, yeah.
0: The only thing I did find was I recognised Frances Barber and I couldn't work out what I knew her from. And I still haven't quite worked it out. I think it's because it feels like something, I was saying to Chris just before we started recording, every time she came on, I was like, I definitely have seen her in something, but I think I've seen her in the same thing a lot. And I couldn't for the life of me work it out. But when I went back through her back catalogue, it's all like Midsummer Murders and that so it, it, I think it's that I see her on a regular basis, but as bit parts yep. in loads of different stuff. And she's phenomenal. So Yeah, no, she's brilliant.
2: You might... She was in... Um, she was in the Red Dwarf uh, episode, Polymorph. Yes. and uh, Which is where I... I think the first time I ever saw her. But, yeah, she's... Um, you also... Because I know you said you've been watching bits and pieces of Psycho Bitches, and she turns up on that as well. Yeah. Um, her, oh fuck it, her Queen, um, her Queen Mary is. It was it? No, it's not Queen Mary. It's um, uh, Queen Elizabeth is fucking terrifying.
1: <laughs>
2: Where it's just her guy. Okay, what is it? It's just like, no. Things are meant to go in you, Fanny. They're not meant to come out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, Claire's just said that she she remembers her mostly for seducing Moss in the IT crowd.
0: Yes, I remember that as well. Again, again as yeah. I say, one of those, she probably comes on my TV every year or so, but in something different in a kind of yeah. small part. So it feels like I see her very regularly, but it's normally, yeah, in very different casts. So. Um, so, following that, the next thing that I watched isn't exactly horror, but I think it definitely falls into that um, into that catchment. Uh, we watched the 2020 TV show Dead Still. Oh, yes.
2: Um, so, how was that? Because I hadn't Smiley. heard of it.
0: Yes, I hadn't heard of it. I Googled it, and then I was like,
2: there's a fucking show with Michael Smiley, and I don't know about it.
0: It's very, very good. So uh, Michael Smiley is, uh, is, so it's all set in Ireland, um, sort of t- uh, just for the turn of the century, I believe. And he's a photographer of the dead. So back when people didn't have photographs mm. taken a lot, uh, when somebody died, you would get a photographer in to come and take a photograph of that person, often posed with the family, so that you have... some family sadly often from. usually children? Yes, yes. yes. Um, but as the series progresses, there is a murderer who is murdering people and posing them and taking their photographs. So obviously the head of the local constabulary goes to Michael Smiley as the expert and sort of says to him, you know, this is very much in your field. I want you to help me catch this person. Um, and then it gets wrapped up in his story as well. So it turns out there's something between... Possibly him and the killer that you don't quite know. And he's been very cagey. Uh, yeah, it was a fantastic series. Really, really good conclusion as well. So, Oh, well, I was going to say, is it, is, it,
2: is it ongoing or is it like a, it's, um, it's, like a mini-series, essentially? It,
0: it, it's, it says it's a mini-series, but on the IMDb, it looks like it's open-ended. And it, it wraps the story up really nicely, but it could end there. But equally, it has a little cliffhanger, which could allow it to have a second series moving forward. So, yeah, I mean, if they do a second series, I'll totally watch it, because we got through this in a couple of days. I absolutely loved it. Um, Six episodes, but they're 45 minutes each, so you get a a decent length of story. Mm. Um, Yeah, and it moves along really nicely, keeps you entertained. It's one of those, each week there's kind of a bit of a different story, but it's all over Arkin eventually. Mm. Um, yeah, and just really good. So definitely get that on your watch list, Adam. And it's dead still? Dead still, yeah. Dead still, yeah. Um, I also caught up with Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. So I thought that would be worth mentioning. Mm. I the liked- trailer looked pretty good. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I liked it. It was... I was worried that it was either gonna be a terrible grab at uh, nostalgia for the old, you know, for the for the original yeah. bands. Um, and the trailer did look like it might just be sort of fan service. Mm. But I, I I totally enjoyed it. Now the story is far from original. I won't go any more into it than that, but once you've seen it, you'll you'll get what I mean. Um But I I thought they did a really good job. And it's Paul Rudd as well, who I always find entertaining and charismatic and amusing. Mm. Um, Yeah. So I don't want to go too much into that because it's new and spoilers and whatnot. But yeah, Mm -hmm. it's, if you're a fan of the original, I don't think you'd be upset, but I I would definitely go back to this before I'd go back to the reimagining that came out a couple of years ago. Right. Yeah. Um, Which I was desperate to enjoy. I was like, It's a fantastic idea. It's kind of, you know, like the idea of a parallel universe almost, where it's a group of women who find themselves in the same position and are trying to have ghosts taken seriously and save New York and everything. And amazing cast. I was like, this can't possibly go wrong. Uh, But it was just too Disney for me, and it just Mm. fell down on that, unfortunately. But this one, yeah, is definitely well worth your time. The, the
2: one question I have, though,
0: is, is I have I have seen a lot of things where people are saying
2: it's not um, it's not a comedy per se. It's a bit, you know, it's not quite as sort of caper set-up sort of thing as as
3: Ghostbusters.
0: Yeah, no, is that because cause it's just
3: missing Bill Murray.
0: Well, <laughs> you never know. Bill Murray may be in it. Oh you never know he's still around, so it is it is mm. possible that he could pop up um but yeah, no, I totally get what you mean it was more it felt more like the kind of um more like the sort of m c u stuff where it's it is action primarily it's definitely mm. got some good laugh out loud moments in it, and, and yeah you know, um but yeah it it's not an all out comedy it is more of an action movie with comedic elements, yeah. Um, oh, it, it, it was a good awesome. balance. It was a yeah. good balance. So I was quite quite surprised with that. And finally, after way too many years, oh, God, 2006, I am behind the uh-huh. on this one, um, I finally started Masters of Horror. Um, <laughs> it came out at a time when, what was that? Oh, do you know what it was? I was really into gaming at the time. And coming away from my computer, which was Chris's fault, to be fair. Um, so mm-hmm. coming away from my computer for even an evening a week to watch this was torture. So I, I didn't get round to it. But it's great now that I've got this massive back catalogue to go through. So I finally started. And as you would expect, it's a very mixed bag.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are.
0: Um, so we started off the very first episode, which is uh, Incident On and Off the Mountain Road. Yeah, uh, the Don
2: Coscarelli one. Don
0: Coscarelli one, which, yeah, I mean, I quite enjoyed. It was a good opener. A five out of ten, I'd say.
2: Yeah, it's it's, it's okay. It's Because de- this is the thing, because um, obviously, like, the setup of it was it's um, all classic horror movie directors. Mm. Um, and like Don Coscarelli, because the thing is that he obviously did like Phantasm. Uh, I think he'd just done Bubba Hotep
1: hmm.
2: when Master of Horror was there. and I just don't think that it's I don't think it's just it's not up to those sort of It's you know, it's good, but it's not yeah, it doesn't have that sort of same it's well it doesn't it's not as fucking mental as Phantasm <laughs> yeah. or as just brilliant brilliantly funny and creative as Bubba Hotep. So it's yeah. It's, yeah. Because I think it's adapted from a story by the guy who wrote Hotep, though. Oh, okay. So, yes, yeah, so I think there's still sort of like that connection there. But yeah, I do, I, it's it's like you say, it's okay. It's not hmm. it's not bad in any way. It's just not a shout from the rooftops, job.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, unlike the next episode, which followed that, uh, which was Stuart Golden's *Dreams in the Witch House*. Oh yeah, that's which that was one of amazingly his, good.
2: That's actually one of his best Lovecraft adaptations, hmm. I think, and probably because he hasn't had to do a movie. Yeah, because because they're all like they're they're all roughly an hour, aren't they? I
1: think. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, so, so it's a nice length. So, to.
2: So presumably, with adverts, it would have felt like a movie because it would have been like an hour and a half yeah. when it was on telly but um but yeah no, that's that's probably i think one of his best lovecraft adaptions especially because it's still modern yeah because he always does the lovecraft adaptions uh pretty much modern doesn't he so
0: it does and the main actor in it is the guy who was in dagon as well so yes uh, yeah yeah. i was impressed with that and actually funnily enough i I don't normally listen back to our our own back episodes. But recently I saw, um, uh, nuts, Curse of the Crimson Altar, on the shelf. And I thought, Mm -hmm. oh, we must cover that. And then I was like, I'm sure we did cover that. So I went back and listened to the episode and because (laughs) it's very loosely based on Dreams in the Witch House. uh, You did mention this, actually. I think you'd not long seen it. And you did say about you need to watch it, even if it's just for the rat with a human face, which was absolutely horrific. So, uh, yeah. yeah, and, cool, and it? oddly,
2: it's that weird fucking thing that Mask Horror, I don't know, again, I don't know whether it's that time restriction means that it's like, if you give them the budget, it's getting used better or yeah. they've just got better people in or whatever like that. But that's actually a genuinely good effect. It's not the dog in a mask at the end
0: of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it looks really
2: fucking good.
0: Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Um, uh, which was good because I probably wouldn't have gone back if the second episode was uh, episode three, which was Tobe Hooper's um
3: oh, the yeah. of the
0: Dead. What yeah. a shit show that was. And the Wait. thing was, every time a, a name came up, you know, like the music and everything, I was like, oh my, this is going to be amazing. Robert England's in it. How can yeah. this possibly go wrong? <laughs> well, it did. It was an absolute... It was horrible. Even sitting through it for an hour felt like torture. It's
2: tosh. It really is. <laughs> it, it's absolute twaddle. It, and especially because, like you say, when no, because I was what? Because I watched them when I think it was possibly Bravo was showing it. Yeah. It was like one of the English like cable channel, like um, uh, digital channels, like mm-hmm. satellite channels was showing it. And I so I watched it as it sort of went out week by week, and fuck me, yeah that that was a point where I was like, mm, <laughs> yeah,
0: they 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 want to fucking get a spurt on with this. this <laughs> uh, and then the next one uh, was Dario Argento's, so that immediately got my back up before it even started, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which was Jennifer.
2: Yeah. <laughs> So, so I presume you just just spent the whole time laughing at Jennifer about it.
0: <laughs> well, the thing was, I when it started as well. One of the very opening shots is two cops in a car, and the camera angle has cut the tops of their heads off. And I was like, right, I know what I'm getting <laughs> from this. Really angry, I can fucking feel it coming on. But actually, I, I thought it was really, <laughs> it was a really strong story, uh, and it worked really, really well. <laughs> It's, re- it's really good, and actually it's, it's
2: oddly... Because that's the thing, is Dario Argento hasn't kind of stuck in the 70s. No. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't just remake Suspiria or whatever like that. And so, yeah, his sort of filming has developed and changed and everything else like that. And it's a lot more muted than some yeah. of the fucking like 70s stuff and definitely the 80s stuff.
0: The gore Um, was wonderful. I was really surprised that, you know, considering it was for TV, I thought the gore was excellent. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah. A a compelling story. So I was taken in with that. And then literally 10 minutes before we started recording this evening, I finished the fifth one, which is Chocolate with uh, Henry Thomas, uh, directed by Mick Garris. Oh,
2: yes. Yeah. Uh, I where he really starts. Remember that one, he, honest, but yeah. he
0: starts tasting food that somebody else is eating, and then smelling things that somebody else is smelling. And then he keeps going into like daisies and he can see out of a woman's eyes and he can yeah. see the things that's happening. And he tries to track her down and find her. Um, which is funny because uh where she is, that they show a couple of kind of famous landmarks, but she's in Vancouver, specifically in Gastown. So oh, right as soon as they saw that they showed you it, even though it was kind of blurred and it was made to look a little bit difficult to, I was like, I know that I've been there dozens of times and then it's in Stanley park. And I was like, I definitely know exactly where they are now. Um, Yeah. So the whole time he's going, I need to work it out. I've got this number plate and it's Vancouver. They're in Gastown. Go to Vancouver. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And again, I, I, a good story i I thought it was going to have more of a twist at the end than it did but i mean still still enjoyable so i think masters of horror might be something at some point we might have to do a like a season where we pick three or four episodes
2: i was gonna say there's because there's there's because it it can it can have a very bad it has a sort of it does have roughly a 50-50 hit rate,
1: mm. I think,
2: mm. over the two seasons. Um, there's so if you're yeah because in, in, you're the, what you're watching series one, so you've got so you've got three. Edwards,
3: yep. Joe Dante
2: coming up. Yeah, well, yeah, the Joe Dante one is that the because I can't remember if it's the first or second series, but there's one there's one he does where it's zombie like soldiers coming back from Afghanistan. Mm. And then there's another one he does, which I'm sure, I think that's the second series one, which is really creepy where it's basically um, all the women have been wiped out. Mm. And it's just, but it's set sort of like five years after this has happened. Mm. And it's like this family trying to protect Uh, Like trying to protect themselves, and it's this. Basically, it's a world without kindness because. So, so so all all the women have gone. All the women, all the women have gone. So, for so I guarantee that within a week, Clinton cards shut. (laughs) Because we're not fucking buying each other cards. Come on,
1: no. So,
2: yeah, but um. So, but I can't remember.
0: But yeah, you've got so you've got two John Carpenters. There's mm. Dear Woman. I was going to say, Dear Woman is the only one I'd seen, I think, because yeah. when, it was, when it aired, you brought it round and said, you need mm. to watch this. It's John Landis. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely yeah. brilliant. Um, yeah. yeah, and I've got very fond memories of sitting around drinking and watching that, so I'm looking forward to that coming up yeah, again. Yeah, Dear, well. Dear,
2: Dear Woman's fucking fantastic. Also, when you're watching Dear Woman, uh, the main actor in it is Brian Benben which is an amazing name as it is, um, you will try and work out who he sounds like. He sounds like Tom Hanks. All right, excellent. Thank you for that drive me, me mad. Because <laughs> me and Claire watched it and we were both like, he really sounds like someone we couldn't put. And then eventually I Googled it and the first, third or fourth thing that came up was, why does Brian Ben Ben sound like Tom Hanks? And I was like, of course... <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so there's 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 some really good stuff in there. And actually, when they showed it over here, we got an episode they didn't show in America because there's a um, Takeshi, um, a Meet Takeshi, um, or Takeshi Mike, um
0: episode, and basically the Yanks were like, "No, <laughs> no." As um, most people feel about Takeshi Mike. Well,
1: <laughs>
2: I'll, I'll be honest. I can honestly say, it's got it's got one of the harshest things I've ever seen on television, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, it, and I'm like, wow, yeah, I can I see why they didn't. But <laughs> but I was also I was so pleased that I had it. I had it on video. I took it around to Dean's
1: because <laughs> I was
2: like, it's the Meat one, the one they've banned. We have yeah. literally <laughs> got
0: the only copy in the universe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know, like
2: then they came out on DVD. Now I go, yeah.
0: shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I've been really enjoying that. Um, so, uh, thanks ever so much for listening, everybody. Uh, thanks very much for bearing with us. I say we were hoping to get this episode out earlier than we did. Uh, that's my fault. We were supposed to record on Saturday so that we could post it on the Sunday between our other two Sherlock Holmes episodes. And I had a terrible migraine and lost an entire day to laying on the sofa Feeling like I had a head full of concrete, so uh, that wasn't much it's them, fun. It's
2: all them poppers
3: you've been doing. <laughs> Solid gold, blow your tits off. It's a decompression after um, you know, Christmas stress. Oh,
0: yeah, I don't. He's know. got the Christmas pins.
1: <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> um, can't believe it. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so as we mentioned, uh, Chris and I went to Horror on Sea. Uh, we are going to try and get Dave and Jennifer, who were also there together uh, and just do a little short, you know, 45 minutes or whatever, just to run down what we saw in that day, which was fantastic. Um, and as well as being an amazing day, uh, I also came away as I sent a photograph to Adam with the arrow release, the, uh, mm-hmm. yokai monsters box set yeah, that I've been looking at and kept thinking, I really, I really do need that. Um, and then I have got it there, sort of half price. So uh, I can't wait to watch that, Please, mate. Nice. Or, or make Jennifer watch it and see what she makes of it because it's pretty random. So.
2: Oh yeah, I mean this is this <laughs> the thing? It's it, you know it's, you, you're sitting there going, so he's an umbrella.
0: Yeah, with one leg and a with licky one lung. leg
2: and one eye. Okay. <laughs> suddenly, suddenly, hopping vampires
0: don't seem so weird. <laughs> That it's Chinese, not Japanese. So. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, so I shall be looking. Well, I will be watching that again and reporting back. Um, so thanks ever so much for listening, everybody. Apologise again for the fact we we're off for a month over Christmas and New Year, but we have trouble getting together once a fortnight as it is. So that was pretty much a write off that period. So it's good that we've we've got an extra episode out for you now, um, and we shall return. I will try and get this episode up possibly Saturday. So we will return tomorrow, hopefully, with the next three episodes or the next episode covering the next three of the Hand of the Baskervilles. Yes. I've got to say, I know how one of the podcasts that uh, Adam and I listened to, last podcast on the left, sometimes they cover stuff and go, oh my God, I can't wait to have this out of my head. I'm getting to that point now. I've now watched four <laughs> versions. I've read the yeah. entire novel and I'm trying desperately to get through the Warlock Holmes version of The Hand of <laughs> as well. So four films and two novels of the same thing in a two-week period is making my eyes bleed. But, um, but yeah, always entertaining and very different. It's great to get a perspective on how you can take – take a text and make it so completely different in three in so many different ways yeah. so excellent so right thanks ever so much for listening everybody go and check out not for everyone podcast and uh oh go and listen to eerie essex that's also yeah. a fantastic podcast we've been listening to big fans of that and we will catch you all very soon good night, good night. Good night.